0: So, uh, hello and welcome to another episode of the Sales Cynical Podcast. It feels like it's been uh, been a few weeks since we've recorded, so apologies if we're a little bit rusty. Um, but today we're going to be talking about um, a question that comes up a lot, actually, um, or a, a, a misnomer, I think you could call it, uh, in that people um, sort of understand that, or believe that sales triggers and intent data are one and the same, uh, when in fact they're not. So we're going to spend the next 30 or so minutes talking about um, what each of them are, the differences, uh, the benefits, and why uh, we believe that you should be using sales triggers uh, instead of intent data. But uh, I will just let uh, my co-host or my guest uh, introduce themselves before we uh, crack on. So over to Nick.
1: Yes, thank you for that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so Nick, Heather Sales um, over at Selligence. And obviously the big focus for us as an organization is is focusing on I'd probably say the next trend really within um, the world of sales, it's, you know, giving people um, more advancements or earlier triggers um, in terms of what's happening within the market and when's a good time to reach out to a business from a, from a sales point of view. So yeah, looking forward to get stuck into this one. I think, as you said, this is um, often yeah, the I biggest think debate. I think pretty the, apparent are, the examples are. that
0: we've had um, recently, uh, you know, when we talk to people and say, you know, have you heard about sales triggers we've seen a lot obviously um in terms of the market changing and the the response sometimes is oh yeah you, you mean intent data right and we, we sort of sat there like uh, not, not really uh, and then we have to go through uh, the process of um sort of educating them if you like so i guess that's what we're going to try and do today so i think the natural place to start is covering off uh, intent data because i think everybody knows what intent data is we sort of it's very familiar with it. It's been around for a good number of years. So, as as all salespeople know, Biff will know, especially identifying the right time to reach out to a buyer and understanding their needs ultimately is one of the biggest challenges. And that's where sales triggers and intent data um, do actually help. Um, so, you know, intent data has been widely available for it's probably five to ten years, even um, that it's it's been sort of actively available. You can purchase it. You it to your advantage so you know what are the key differences so if we just tick off the uh the what is intent data the obvious question so um intent data i guess to put it simply would capture signals of a person's behavior um, or an organization organization's behavior um, online digitally that might indicate that they're interested in a product or a service um, to, to keep it uh, to keep it simple so essentially it's a digital footprint for someone's journey across the internet um, which shows you know signals that they might be interested in a product or a service now that usually comes in sort of two main types, which is first-party and third-party. Um, you may be familiar with these terms in relation to cookies, so first-party cookies and third-party cookies. Now, first-party cookies or first-party intent data is generated by a company's own digital channels and assets, uh, such as their website or their social media accounts, um, and it's particularly useful for understanding how customers actually interact with the company's website, You know their journeys, how it can be optimised. And then on the flip side, uh, I don't know why it's not called second party or third party, or I guess it's called third party because when you're talking about a third party, that was a very silly statement to make. But anyway, so third party intent data is the flip side of that. So it's generated by external sources such as data providers, publishers, um, and that's particularly useful in understanding, I guess, the broader interests um, or identifying potential customers for your product or your service. So um, it can be in collective through a variety of uh, methods such as website tracking, IP monitoring, social media analysis, probably the three three main ones. Um, and you could say some companies, I would say the majority, if not almost all companies nowadays with a digital presence will be using uh, cookies first or third um, to their advantage or in, in some way, shape or form um, to build a profile of the customer's journey on their own side, but also, you know, build a profile of their ICP, you know, their prospects and how they're, um, interacting in the market. So that's a very, very sort of quick whistle-stop tour of what intent data is. Um, now, as I've sort of gone through that, I guess you will have picked up on some of the advantages of that. So the real benefit of, uh, intent data is that you can, you know, gain a picture of a person's online behavior, which might reveal their interests or their particular intentions in in that given moment. So if, let's just hypothetically say someone was searching for best CRM software or best sales intelligence software, um, and they visit a vendor's website, it might indicate that that person is interested uh, in purchasing said CRM or solution, um, which is valuable for sales teams, marketing teams, rev ops, you name it, Um, even, even CS teams. Now, in terms of why you might use that intent data um there's obviously a number of, pur- of purposes i think probably the most common for sales um uh, marketing apologies oh, you can hear the the gong being hit and ralph the dushans barking um celebrating but the uh yeah the two probably most common use cases would be for marketing and sales so marketing can use it to personalize their data to better align with their customers interests and needs to target at the right time um personalize messaging, tailor the messaging, say if you're going to do an ABM campaign, for example, um, but also to align um, with, you know, the market and the way people are interacting with things. Uh, and then on the other um, sort of side of it, the other department sales, you could look t- for those intent signals, intent data to target your outreach uh, in, a, in a more sustainable way, or at least um, target those that are potentially interested in your solution rather than just anyone and everyone. So that was a, a, a very quick uh, run through of sort of what uh, intent data is, the types of it, the benefits and um, how it can be used. Now, I think the last thing to say before I hand over to, to Biff for the, the flip side of that, the sales for your side, is that whilst intent data has its uh, many advantages, some of those that we've already covered today, um, it's fairly old hat, in the sales industry. Like we said, it's been around five to 10 years and intent data doesn't necessarily in its uh, own right provide all that much detail. So if I was to search on uh, Google for a how to increase my outbound efforts and I read a blog and the blog's really great, I get some tips and tricks from it and I start to employ those in my day-to-day, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm gonna be interested in buying that software all I've done is transactional relationship. I've gone, I've learned something. I'm going to take that and I am going to spend the next week, a couple of weeks trying to uh, work that into my day to day. But that, as I said, doesn't mean that I'm necessarily interested in that product or solution. And I think that's one of the fundamental, not necessarily flaws of intent data, but fundamental uh, limitations of that intent data. So, getting the right balance of that intent data, you know, different levels of that intent is really, really key, which means that ultimately you're going to need various different other sources of information as well to to stack that up again. So there's not really a black and white sort of picture of this person is very interested in the product uh, with intent data, unless of course, they come in inbound requests and they put their hand up and said, I'd like to speak to you um, at which point it is very black and white. Um, But up until that point, just because someone's engaging with you on socials or looking at your website, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, that they want your product. Um, we have thousands, tens of thousands of people engaging with us on LinkedIn. I wish each of those 10,000 people were interested in buying our products. It would make our jobs a lot easier, um, but that's not the case. So appreciate that was a, a, a dump of information um, on intent data. So. Biff, was there anything that you wanted to add on intent data, given that you speak to salespeople every single day?
1: My biggest thing with it, I've seen it, I've used it. There's a lot of nuances um, to it that are, you know, can be quite frustrating. Um, Sometimes a lot of the information that you actually have is way out of date. Um, Perhaps actually, like where they've actually finally managed to gather that information, process it, put it in a platform, whatever that may be. You can often find, you know, actually it's three, six months out of date um, and actually where they were. But probably my biggest question, if, you know how many times have you had a cold call, Jay? Right. A few times. You know, within that, if somebody said something to you and say, I call you, you've never heard of sales triggers. And I say, and you've come off the phone and you go and Google sales triggers, then you're just trying to do some research in terms of, you know, perhaps what were they on about, et cetera, et cetera. But actually what that will start to do is is actually register that as intent so there's a lot of different kind of i say different use cases for that behind the scenes but i say it can be a real nuance really in terms of you know quite frustration in terms of actually is that data accurate is it getting us actually what we need um but yeah that's probably the, yeah the I, biggest I, indicator uh, that an I example that probably I two weeks ago went on a
0: I guess you could call it, sales intelligence um, provider's website. And I had an email uh, about 48 hours later saying, um, interest, or understand you might be interested in our solution. It'd be great to get some time in the diary. And it's it's just like, well, no, you know, I went on your page for a, for a fleeting moment to get an answer to a question or to have a look at an image, you know, something yeah, as a marketer, I'm probably having a look at colors or images, aren't I, let's be honest. So to have someone <laughs> to have someone reaching out to me saying I like, I'd love it, to get some to your <laughs> website. it just it just feels a bit i don't know a little bit strange uh, you know like watching people on your journey online it just doesn't feel quite right in terms of uh that being a gauge of how interested someone is in a solution
1: well i think again you know everybody talks around you know sales it's about building relationships you know at the end of the day that's the absolute foundation to it but you know where where does that relationship start or research to a degree, you know, I suppose, you know, people can go off and do, you know, additional work in terms of how they approach it. But if you've got your average salesman that's reaching out and saying, Hey, by the way, I know that you've been on our website. I wouldn't call that a very warm introduction. You're probably much more likely to get a bit of a a fob off and a bit of an F off um, in terms of that cold outreach. You know, you want to go in and actually have a purpose and have a, warm introduction to that person and, uh, you, than you just mentioned
0: an interesting thing in terms of that, them um, them, yeah. lag period delay long tail whatever you want to call it so let's just uh for hy- hypothetically say that there is someone selling intent data uh, i don't know let's call them tombora um and they would provide that data to various um companies or teams that you know want to utilize that to target or i don't know better segment their out outbound efforts right what would you, what's typically, you know, the, the feedback you get or what you've heard? What is the lag period for a supplier in terms of sharing that intent data?
1: It depends, um, really. And I suppose it's where the direct source of that information is from. So have you got somebody else that's plugging in another provider's data? You know, actually, what are the commercials behind that, first and foremost, is it that they're on a live API? Is it that 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 data gets refreshed every two, every three months that's then being delivered. They're probably the real key bits I'd, I'd want to get into if I was purchasing that data. Um, but if you're getting it from, you know, the original source, it's probably much more in that instance, um, you know, understanding in terms of, you know, at what point do they consider that as intent data? You know, is it via a certain organization running, I don't know, 10 searches that are very, very similar within that, at which point that would be classed as a you know high intent because obviously there's multiple parties within that organization looking, looking at for that service or that type of product. Or is it more of a signal of somebody searched for it and there's one individual? And I say in terms of that, then that's really where all the other factors start to come into play, you know. How does that come about? Why is it that they're searching for that information? As I said, is it just from a cold call and they're just literally trying to do some research? Is it something they've just seen on perhaps their LinkedIn feed? And they're like, well, oh, what's that? Oh, I'll have a quick look. I'll research it myself. That's really where you want to so get into the depth. It, I guess is, it's that lack know, of context what's the clarity that the behavior. Of that because, data.
0: you know, just because someone just displays a certain behavior, it doesn't mean that they fall within your target ICP bucket, whatever you want to call it.
1: Put it this way. I've, I've, I've spoken to other people where I know they've plugged in 30 par- third party um, providers of intent data. So they've gone out, partnered with another business, obviously paying for the, the data that they're receiving. But actually, that data is only updated for them every six months. So if you're getting sudden signals of, oh, by the way, let's say it's June. Magically, it's the start of H2 for that business. And yeah, OK, oh, now I've got all these intent signals that are coming through. That's great, but they're probably from January um, or a good bunch of them are. And obviously what you've done then is pretty much missed like budget season and everything around that. So, you know, you're lagging it. And ultimately, I know, you know, that information still being sold on as like accurate and all the rest of it. So I'd really start to get into the weeds in terms of, you know, real. Cool.
0: Okay, right. So we've done the, the portion when is that data of uh, intent data. So let's, let's flip it. Um, I'll hand it over to you for the, for the bulk of this. But I think in terms of that sales triggers versus intent data, I think one of the phrases that we've kind of coined or dubbed or a really easy way to sort of you know explain what tr- sales triggers are is we like to think of those insights that sales triggers offers as pre-intent data because that kind of summarizes it really, really easily. That sales triggers can get you in the game one step earlier, two, three steps, whatever you want to call it, and give you those facts or give you those uh, that relevant context in order to reach out. So what are sales triggers? Let's kick off with that.
1: Sales triggers are essentially uh, insight or factual knowledge of what a business is doing. Um, and that might be through growth. It might be through key stakeholder movements. It may be actually that they've... Announced another partnership with another organization. But probably the easiest way to define this or certainly explain it is around a, let's say, key decision maker moving um, from one organization to another. Now, person X moves from uh, company A and they move into company B. Directly and straight away, you can get a sales trigger to say, by the way, this person has announced that they have moved and they have started at that organization. Now, typically, that take, p- takes place on day one. That's put up on LinkedIn. You know, f- fantastic. I've moved positions. I've joined um, company B. This is now where I'm at. Sales trigger tells you to say, Jay, this person has just moved into that organization. Brilliant. Now, typically... If you've got a key stakeholder that's moving i think the the targets is they'll spend around 80 or 90 percent of their budget within the first 100 days within that role so they're looking straight away they're going to be looking at you know new tools new processes things that they they've been brought in to do in terms of improving the way that organization works so once they've got into that organization they've probably spent realistically two weeks to four weeks actually analyzing in terms of internal processes you know what what, what's going wrong where are the holes they haven't even started looking for anything else yet right so now they start looking on google and saying okay you know we need a new crm let's say okay so they now start googling they're starting to look around that the intent data is then being gathered in the background it's eventually being fed through to those organizations two weeks post that, let's say, if that data is live. So currently, this individual is now six weeks into their role. They've probably got a pretty good idea in terms of what they've used in the past, what's worked, what hasn't. So now, you're currently six to eight weeks down the line with intent data saying, by the way, this person's looking to purchase this software. Now, from a sales trigger point of view, what we've done is notify that individual on day one. So as soon as that person's walked in that door, we've gone, by the way, there's a new... Um, CTO, let's say, that's joined company B. Now's a good time to start building a relationship with that individual because you know they're going to start spending budget. And actually, you're having those conversations way ahead of any other competitors. So the amount of influence that you can provide, um, you know, product demos, even looking at trials across that organization, across the team to get them familiar with your product is way, way ahead of the companies that are being notified six to eight weeks down the line. And that's probably, you know, the easiest example to explain, but it goes much wider. Again, you know, the first things companies are going to do, let's say if they, you know, a bigger corporate business and they're potentially looking at opening a new office within the EU, you're going to start to see press releases about it. You're going to see them start to talk around it within interviews, within potential expansion plans across newspapers, etc. That is a sales trigger. That is telling you, by the way, they are going to be launching over into, you know, Germany, perhaps, wherever it may be. Um, Where actually, by the time that they've actually sorted out a new office, they've sorted out, you know, perhaps the recruitment needs that they're going to need um, to open up that office. The next step for them is to say, okay, what tools do we need within that specific location? Now, again, we've notified them way, way before those events start to take place. So typically, you know, it may even be a couple of weeks, it might be just two weeks, but sometimes it can be up to eight weeks in advance, you know, really of where those individuals being notified of those events that ultimately are going to expand. Uh, and and you the sort of, I mean, you gave a very, very in-depth
0: um, example up. of one of those track job changes, market movers, um, which got me thinking as well, in terms of when someone moves company, If you already know that they were a user of your software in the previous company and they've moved to a new company, bam. Statistics show they're three times more likely to buy again because they loved you at their previous company and they need to make a really big dent. They need to make their mark and they're going to be highly, well, they're going to be incredibly open to talking about bringing the software across because they know it works. Um, Aside from that uh, example then, so types of sales trigger, let's maybe just give a little taster of the sorts of things uh three to five what are the what are the more more common ones that we tend to to talk about
1: um common ones i'd say within the market there's there would be a huge amount around um regulatory activity so things looking at especially within like reg tech market you know anybody that they're trying to reach out to so you know the emerging market so it might be like fintech for example it might be you know, obviously FS as a whole, but then breaking that down in further into like crypto, blockchain, et cetera. Um, huge amount within that, to, you know, obviously track perhaps where there's been data breaches, perhaps been fines that have been issued. It may be non-compliance issues. All of these things ultimately is, are going to lead to these organizations saying, okay, we've got to streamline our processes. We've got to make them more efficient and ultimately more concrete. So what can we bring in rather than having to hire three, four, five specialists within that, what can we bring in that's going to help? Let's go on to, um, yeah, let's do another one. That process for us. Another one would be, you know, typically around, you know, I know we mentioned market movers and regional expansion. So, you know, new product launch, for example. You know, within that new product launch, what then is going to come off the back of that? So, again, what other tools do they need? Um, that's going to perhaps make the sign up process easier. Maybe it's the payment processing in the background. Is that, you know, a good example in terms of, you know, how are they going to actually take this product to market? Are they going to lead with a PLG motion? Are they going to lead from more sales led? Um, There's literally, there's a hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different sales triggers, but it's understanding in terms of, you know, what are the most important to you? In terms of obviously the product that you're selling into those organizations and what does that sales trigger signify in terms of how your products may help them, you know, essentially, it's it yeah, yeah, a good example. There. Like go you said, much said, you're going to
0: understand the sales triggers uh, that are relevant to your business. I think one of our product guys was having a conversation with one of the leading, um, I guess, integration um, I platforms, uh, you know, the, the middleman between uh, software A and software B and plugin creating bespoke integration. So they were talking to that company and that company said, actually, well, we know our most valuable trigger. And I think it was, um, product launches. So they said, when we, when we see a company is releasing a new product, absolutely. We can get on the phone and say, well, we can help you guys integrate and connect to all the, look at all these other products that we already integrate and connect with. So that was a, an extremely valuable trigger, and pretty much the the only trigger that those guys were interested in. Um, so there's a plethora, there's an encyclopedia, or encyclopedic, whatever I don't know what the phrase would be, um, mass of these triggers. But there's obviously ones that are, are far more beneficial. So in terms of those benefits, then what would you say uh, like the, the three key benefits are to sales triggers?
1: One, in terms of receiving real-time information, that would be absolutely key. The second part of it really is it guaranteeing that that information is factual. So from a sales trigger point of view, it's coming from that business. That business is releasing that news to say, by the way, this is what we're doing. This is how we're evolving, etc. It's either their PR team or it's their internal teams that are actually writing that piece of information to put it out there so whereas intent can be a little bit you know dubious in terms of you know who's searching for it how many times it's been searched for etc this is the business going out and saying by the way we are doing this there is no clearer bit of information that can give you a a head start so that would be the second the third really is being able to really look at a multitude of different opportunities i think the typical or let's say historic way of sales is you know okay what companies have raised funding well i'm sorry to say if some companies raise funding and you've just found out you're too late because there's a million one other salespeople on it you know what other opportunities can you look at that's going to lead your product into uh, i'll, I'll add i'll well. add one extra into the next so which is probably, probably my three, uh,
0: my favorite or at least the one that i think um, we seem to get some extremely positive feedback on in terms of triggers just generally, which is the the time-saving aspect of it. So if you're able to uh, efficiently monitor these sales triggers rather than having to go out and hunt for companies that fit certain behaviors or whatever, these triggers are just firing in the backgrounds, giving you a steady stream of these opportunities that are perfect, which can save, I think, 50% is what we're seeing in terms of the amount of time you spend prospecting, which is it's something like 400 hours a year, which equates to three months. So you get three months of your time back a year, which is just ridiculous to think about.
1: Well, there's not one salesperson on this earth that enjoys prospecting. I can guarantee that. So the quicker you can speed that up and get most of it out of your way, the okay, better. Then, right, if so we, we've covered um, you, data. So, so what it the is, foot.
0: the types of it, the benefits of it, uh, and why uh, you know some companies choose to use it or we should use it. We've now covered what sales triggers are various different types of sales triggers, um, and the benefits of them. So if you were just gonna sort of summarize in a nutshell, why a sales rep, someone in marketing, someone in RevOps, customer success or staffing, why should they use sales triggers over intent data? And you know, how would they be selling themselves short or how would they be starting on the back foot if they chose not
1: to? Um, Probably the biggest really is say getting, you know, get in there ahead of your competition, remove that as a barrier and actually get in there before anybody else within your market who you're constantly coming up against is, is getting the information to engage. So get in there nice and early from day one, you can start to build that relationship and essentially remove or eliminate, you know, some of the dependent factors um, within the process. Now, the second, really, is helping you to to broaden your horizons a little bit. You know the the possibility, or you know, of you going through the whole of your LinkedIn sales nav search, where you've got thousands and thousands of people in there, and still new companies being born each and every single day, or new people coming into your ICP, allow a product to do it for you. Allow it to go out there, find the wider news. Um, and actually bring these businesses to you rather than you having to go out across a European market and try and like map the whole thing out. You're, you're never, ever going to achieve it. Um, so bringing you broader um, broader chance of opportunity with businesses, perhaps otherwise you weren't aware of. Um, and the third and, and final piece really would be, I suppose, just having the facts with it. Being able to open up a conversation around, you know, really sounding like you've done your research on that business. Um rather than having to go out. So it's, you know, fantastic. You know, great news about your new product launch. You know, how's that then, you know, evolving or perhaps even integrating into your existing products or your current product suite? You know, what benefits do you think that's then going to bring or, or bring into um your your clients? You know, being able to have that level of conversation is only going to be able to build better rapport um with your and prospects the, on, and, on that and ultimately of, better know, trust of as well I think the, the
0: data we're seeing. Um, especially more recently, in the you know the downsizing market, is that by using these sales triggers and having that context and that relevancy, can actually increase your outbound success, i.e., increase the number of demos that you're able to book when you're connecting and you're talking to people by three to five times. Which you know, like you said, anyone who can half the amount of time prospecting. If you said to a sales rep, do you want to increase your outbound success three times? Do you want to you said to Aaron, do you want to book three times more demos? They they bite your hand off. So I think it really is you know the the, the data is showing that. 2023 and beyond this is this is where you need to be operating in but i think we're going to wrap up pretty uh pretty quickly there i think biff is uh on on one one maybe zero percent battery so we're going to wrap it up there um hopefully you've learned a bit more about the the comparisons and the differences between um intent data and sales triggers data um but yeah thanks for joining um look forward to catching up in the next episode